0: Welcome to Woodlawn. We're so glad that you've joined us. Now, what's going to be happening over the next few weeks is we're actually going to have a few people, leadership people, uh, uh, maybe the band, a few people actually attend the service where they perform the music. However, I'm still recording my message to an empty room. It's dark in here. I got a little red light. I do have Katie and Sheila back there, but you know, they're napping. So, you know, I don't get a lot of response from my sermon, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act like today that you're just giving me a lot of response. And a little bit later on in the message, I'll tell you when that you can really get involved, okay? So I want to I wanna start out today by telling you a story. Uh, you know, kids say funny things. I, 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 they hear them all the time. And recently our daughter Elizabeth was telling us about our four-year-old daughter Collins who came in and said something kind of cute. She walked up to her mother Elizabeth and our daughter and she pointed, she pulled up her shirt, she pointed to her belly button and said, Mom, do you know what a belly button is? And Elizabeth said, yes, she did. And then Collins said, did you know that if you push your belly button, then your memories come out. <laughs> did you know that? And Elizabeth said, Well, where did you hear that? And Collins said, Nowhere. I just knowed it. I just knowed it. That's a four year old. That's where they live, you know? Well, I don't know if Collins is exactly right because I, I've met several people who've been pushing their belly button too much. They're just having a hard time remembering. I I can't remember stuff at home sometimes when I'm going from one room to another. What did I come in here for? I know none of you. That doesn't happen to you. But, you know, when you get older, so just something to look forward to, okay? Now, speaking of children saying funny things, I read just this week about a father who took his little boy with him to town, and they went in to go run some errands, and then it was lunchtime, and so they stopped at a diner, and they went in, and and the father picked the little boy up, and he set him on a stool at the counter, and then the father was sitting beside him, and when they brought the food, the father looked down at the little boy, and he said, son, we'll just say a silent prayer, and so the little boy nodded, and they bowed their heads and they closed their eyes and then the father opened his eyes he had finished his prayer but he looked down and the little boy his son he was still had that head bowed and he was waiting on him to to look up finally the little boy looked up and the father said son what in the world were you praying about all that time and the little boy looked at his dad just as honestly and innocently as he could and he said well dad how would i know he said it was a silent prayer (laughs) kids come up with stuff that you don't think of and that's really what we're going to talk about today is prayer you know what's prayer like for you in your life now I want to make a confession and this is where the crowd gets to participate okay so wake up if you're in the crowd you're listening to the message today and I'd love for you to participate as we talk about this there are areas where I need help Now, wait a minute. We don't have time for all the areas that I need help, okay? But there's this one specific area that I'm going to confess, all right? And I'm going to confess that I need help with computers. Well, duh. I mean, who doesn't know that, right? And, you know, I can hear snowbirds in Canada laughing right now. I, you know, there there are folks in the northern part of the country and all over the southeast, plus everybody in Bay County's going, well, everybody knows that. He's a moron. He can't use a computer. He needs help with it. And, you know, it's confusing to me. I'll have to admit it. I, you know, I didn't learn all that stuff as a small child, so it's new to me, and I'm still learning things. I need help, right? Well, I'll I also need help with prayer. In fact, I need to talk to God on a regular basis to learn how to pray. One time the disciples were with Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now they didn't say teach us to preach and they didn't say teach us to heal and they didn't say teach us to drive out demons or, or resurrect somebody from the dead. They said what we really want to learn is how to pray because they knew the key in the Christian life was having a relationship with God where they could pray. So we all need prayer, and and we certainly need it in a fallen world. So how do we pray? You know, the Bible says we don't know what we ought to pray for in Romans, the eighth chapter, and the Holy Spirit then intercedes for us, helping us know what to pray. And so the Holy Spirit teaches us how to pray. You know, there are yearnings that we have that come from God. Now, here's what happens. God speaks to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit puts something on our hearts. We share it in prayer with Jesus. He takes it back to the Father. And that's known as the cycle of of prayer. And in Romans, the 10th chapter, it says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of God, through the word of Christ. And so we gain faith when we read God's word, then we turn around and pray to God so that we express to him, we listen to him, we share our thoughts, we hear his thoughts, and we grow. Now there's a word in the scriptures in Greek and it, when you see the word word sometimes it's the rema It says we get faith by listening to the Word of God. The Word there is Rima. And so how do you pray about problems in difficult situations? Well, what we have to remember is there are all kinds of promises in the Bible, and we have to claim those promises. So the more we know the Bible, then that comes alive in our prayer lives when we just say it to God, You've promised, Lord, to do this. Now I'm praying about this, and I'm doing that in accordance with Your will. So... How does God want to help us in our prayer life? Well, there are four questions I'm going to ask today, and these are questions that people ask from time to time about what can I learn about prayer, what does God want to teach me, and so forth. And then I'm going to share those with you in the answers. First of all, the first thing is people say, why is prayer so difficult? I'll tell you why. Because prayer is a conversation with an unseen person. Now, it's easy for me to talk to you, especially if I'm looking at you, right? And it's easy for me to talk to you if you're talking back, if I can hear an audible voice. But when we talk to God, we can't see Him, and we can't hear Him in an audible voice. And so it's more difficult for us to focus and communicate with Him clearly. You see, sometimes it seems that God is silent, but he's really not. If we continue to pray and read God's word, we will get answers. You see, we're in a world where there are worldly things and there are godly things. And in our world, science and technology have kind of taken over. And so what happens is if we're not careful, we just kind of edge God out of the picture. It's not intentional. We just don't really think about Him. We're not turning to Him and and considering Him and sharing with Him like we ought to be. And so we're just missing out completely on that. Now, sometimes we say that God just almost seems like he's not necessary until we have a crisis. And when we have a crisis, that's when we turn to God. And it's almost like, you know, we're making a 911 call to God. God, I really need you right now. Yesterday things were going well, today not so much, and so I really need your help. Now, God doesn't want anything blocking our relationship with him. And and he says, so two things have to happen. Confession. And repentance. We have to confess our sins, and we have to repent of them in order for us to continue to have that free flow in a relationship with God. And it's 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 hard to understand how prayer works um, because it causes me to have more questions a lot of times. For instance, how can God hear billions of people? praying at the same time what if you've got two armies or two opposing teams and they're both praying for God's will at the same time and saying "Now, Lord we know we're on your side deliver us you know he's almighty and he's loving so how come some sincere prayers go what we would consider unanswered and what about prayers from other religions and what about you know is there one true God that answers all people's prayer Why should an all-wise, sovereign God listen to our prayers when He already knows what's best for us? And there's a misconception about the promises of God. You cannot automatically claim all that we read in the Bible for yours personally because sometimes it was said to someone individually in the Bible, not to every person in general. So let me help you understand this. Sometimes when God speaks, He speaks to us universally. What He's saying applies to everybody. You know, everybody can relate to that. It applies to us personally. But then the second thing is, personally, when God speaks to us specifically, when it's an individual person about a specific situation, about a specific time, you know, that is a different kind of prayer. And in the New Testament, there are two Greek words, two terms for the word word, okay? One is logos And the other one is Rima, okay? So whenever you hear the Word of God, you're talking about those two different kinds of words. Now, the Logos is God's Word to everybody. It's in general. It applies to every person when you hear it. Yes, you can claim it. It applies to you. But the second word, Rima, is more specifically, it applies to you personally. It's a specific word and a promise and a specific person at a specific time, and for that time only and so the Rima is a specific word for individuals and God when he speaks personally to you you can act on that in John the 15th chapter he says if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you okay now there's a second question that people ask and that is how does prayer work Well, as I've said, the Father initiates prayer. He sends it to the Spirit. The Spirit lays it on our hearts. We send the prayer back through Jesus. He gives it back to the Father. In Matthew, Jesus taught us, and and by the way, we can pray to any of the three people in the Trinity anytime, okay? But in Matthew, the sixth chapter, Jesus taught us how to pray to the Father, our Father who art in heaven. And then in John the 14th chapter, he he said, you can pray to me. He said, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And then, you know, sometimes how we're singing and we're singing spirit rain down on me and we're praying to the Holy Spirit when we do that. And Paul said that the help the Holy Spirit gives us in prayer is accordance with God's will. It's in accordance with God's will. Now, all of our prayers for them to be proper and answered, they have to be in accordance with God's will. So if we've read the Bible and we know what the Bible says and we're praying for something that God has told us in the Bible, then we know we're praying along the lines of His will, okay? Prayer was the Father's idea. And the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in Romans, the eighth chapter. He he meets us where we are and shares with us what God wants us to pray. And the Holy Spirit lives in you and me. He takes up residence and lives inside of us. Jesus said, I'm going to ascend to the Father, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you the Counselor, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit to be with you. And Jesus speaks to the Father on our behalf. Paul indicates in Romans the eighth chapter that when we pray, Jesus is the heart searcher. He's searching our hearts and transmitting our prayers to God. You and I can ask God to reveal His will by giving us a desire. It's asking God to help us know, Lord, which way do you want me to go here? I'm submissive. I'm surrendered to you. You tell me what you want. And the psalmist says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Also in Mark, it says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. So there's nothing mystical about that. That happens all the time. Now, have you ever been to church and the preacher's preaching and you say, man, he is preaching right to me today. How did he know that I was going through this problem? How does he know that that's exactly what I needed to hear? People say that to me all the time. How did you know that that was the message for me? And my answer is, I really can't take credit for that because here's what's happening. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you through me and he's telling you what you need to hear. Isn't that amazing that God does that? And so the third question that we ask is, well, what should I pray about? People ask that all the time. What should I pray about? And Jesus taught us to, to formulate words to express our thoughts and our feelings to God. And with these words, we can express our gratitude. We can express our sorrow for the sins we've committed. We can make requests for the blessing of others and for ourselves. And many believers have learned what I talked about recently in prayer. A C C S. You remember that? It's just a little outline for you to use in prayer. A stands for adoration, adoration and praise. I'm going to start by praising God, by adoring God, by celebrating who He is. C stands for confession. I need to confess my sins before Him. Now, when I see who God is, it shows me who I am, and you know, they don't match up, and so I need to confess my sins. And then T is thanksgiving. Lord, I just want to thank you for answering my prayers and blessing me. You've been so good to me, and I appreciate you. And then S is supplication. Now, Lord, I want to pray for other people. There's intercessory prayer. I want to lift them up to you. And then finally, I want to pray for myself. There's something I want you to hear about from me that I need to see happen. And so the Spirit helps us know what to pray and how to pray in all kinds of prayers and requests. And we can praise God for who He is, and we can thank Him for what He gives, and we can celebrate the fact that He convicts us of sin so that we can confess it, so that we can repent, and so that we can be forgiven of. And then he takes care of our needs, both material and spiritual, and the Spirit shares with us the burdens of God for lost people and hurting people. Have you, ever had, have you ever had the Spirit just put a burden on your heart for somebody? That's what it's talking about. I'm just going to pray for this person. Lord, you've just brought them to mind. Now I want to lift them up to you in prayer. And as the Spirit moves in our heart, Jesus, the heart searcher, he just finds our hearts. He finds even unverbalized prayer. It's just a thought. It's a heart that we have. And that's also prayer. And then even an unspoken prayer, it's not mystical or some magical thing, but it's real communication involving real people who are just trying to communicate with the Lord. Now, we're always, to com- uh, always ready to compare our desires with Scripture. In James, the third chapter, it says, "...but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit." And it's impartial and sincere. Now listen, God's Spirit never leads us to pray for something that is contrary to the Bible. So if you're starting to pray something and it just goes against the grain, it's contrary to the Word, you know, hey, this is not the right prayer. I don't need to pray that. Now the last thing, what is so great about prayer? Sometimes people who don't have a relationship, they don't really understand it. Can it be real? What's that about? Let me tell you what prayer is. Prayer is intimacy with God. He wants to have an intimate personal relationship with you and me. He wants to help us refocus our lives. He wants to help us deal with our sin. He wants to make sure that there's joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He wants to have our faith strengthened. He wants to have our hope kindled. And he wants to have his power released in our lives. And spending time in God with prayer is a great expression of our love for God. Now, this is just just simple. You know this is true. If you love someone, you'll spend time with them. If you love someone, you want to be with them. You want to talk to them. You want to communicate with them. You want them to communicate with you. Well, think about it this way. If I'm going to stop and just spend time with God... What does that say to him by my actions? I mean, I don't even have to tell him. He says, you know, that person really loves me because they're praying. That's my child and that's my disciple and, and they just want to be with me. You see, if you love God, you want to be with him. And so prayer is not a duty. It's something you do because you enjoy and you need it. Prayer is an enrichment. Jesus said to his disciples, the Father will give you give good things to those who ask him in Matthew the seventh chapter. And he challenged us in that same chapter, to ask so that we receive, to seek in order to find, to knock, and the door would be open for us. Now, when we pray, God works. When we pray, God works. And He's calling us to a partnership. Now, I want you to catch this. Now, listen to me. Listen. Here's the partnership that happens when we pray. Without God, we can't, right? Without God, we can't. But without us, He won't. How about that? You see, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but by myself, I can't accomplish anything. And He can't accomplish anything in us if we're not turning to Him. You know, without us, He won't act. Because it's a two-way street. It's a partnership. And so... You know, we don't need the things of the world to try to solve the issues. Really, life is more about the spiritual aspect of things often. And we just go back to God's promises and we thank him for those. There are all kinds of prayers and the best prayers are prayed in our weakness. The Bible says in our weakness, he can be strong. So we can be strong, fervent, faithful prayer warriors for him. Now, I want to close by sharing this with you. I just read this week about a new book, and it's titled Faith for Exiles. And it's by a couple of guys, Dave Kinnaman and Mark Matlock. And here's what they say. They said that they've, they've interviewed or surveyed or questioned or, or participated in conversation with a lot of young adults. And these are people who grew up in the church. And they categorize these folks in two different categories. They say all of them grew up in the church. The first group has hung on to their faith. They've continued to practice their faith. These are people who pray. These are people who attend worship. These are people who read their Bibles. These are people in a small group for accountability. These are people who fellowship with other Christians. The other group is a group of folks who grew up in the church, but but they're not really participating in those things anymore. It's not that they're opposed to it. They're just not really doing it. They don't really attend except hit or miss. They don't really read their Bibles. They don't really pray unless they have a crisis. It's just two different groups. Now, here's what they say. They named the first group, the people who are still practicing their faith, they named them resilient disciples. Resilient disciples. And here's what they learned about resilient disciples as opposed to just kind of lukewarm folks going through the motions, okay? Okay. They said they experience far greater joy and intimacy with Jesus because they're living with Him and doing life with Him every day. It also says that they are far more likely to say that their relationship with Jesus brings them joy, shapes their body, mind, heart, and soul, and impacts the way they live every day. So they're happier people. They're more at peace. And and it has an impact on who they are and what they do and how they impact other people. And then they said resilient disciples also have a richer prayer life. You see, they're they're living with God. They're loving God. They're showing Him their faith. They're spending time, and God's just pouring into them. And you can see it in their lives. It says their time with Jesus re-energizes their lives. Reading the Bible makes them feel closer to God. Listening to God is a big part of their prayer life. They're not just talking, but they're listening. And prayer does not feel like a chore, but it feels like a vital part of their life. Now, let me ask you, which one of those groups do you want to be in? Do you want to be in the resilient group or the folks that are just kind of, it's just kind of mundane. It's nothing special about life because their relationship with God is just not that active. It's just not there. It's just not alive. Now, let me just say this to you in closing. What that tells me is that it's just like anything in life. The more you put into something, the more you get out of it. That's true, isn't it? I don't care what it is. The more you put into something, the more you get out of it. And about 15 years ago, maybe longer than that now, more about 20 years ago, I got serious about my prayer life. I prayed, and I prayed on a pretty regular basis, but I didn't pray every day. And God convicted me at a minister's conference. And I I didn't want to do what he said. He wanted me to journal, keep a journal and all that. And I didn't want to do that. And, you know, if you have an argument with God, guess who wins? Duh. And so I started doing that and I got serious about my prayer life and now I do it every day and it's just a joy to me to be a part of that. And I don't worry about how long it takes. It takes a while to do it. I just enjoy it. I look forward to it. It's what I want to do the first thing in the morning. Now, if you'll take your prayer life seriously, a couple of things will happen. It will change your relationship with Jesus. It will. You'll be more resilient And it will have a greater impact on the people around you. I just want to challenge you today. If maybe your prayer life is not what you want it to be, maybe it's not where it once was, or maybe it's never been there, but you'd like for it to be, I just want to challenge you. Talk to God about that. Ask him to make your prayer life something that's resilient, to just fill you up, to just fill you with his spirit and joy and peace and comfort, strength and affirmation. And then that he might just let that flow out of you to other people to be a blessing to them. Will you do that? Let me see. Let me see the heads. People are nodding. I see the snowbirds there in Canada again. You can stop laughing now about, you know, me and computers, right? But if you need help with prayer, okay, yeah, some of the other folks. My friends there and some of my folks in Wisconsin, yeah, even that preacher from Wisconsin, yeah, I see you. Right, and then the Bay County people, right, and then the people from way up north in Dothan and you know parts of Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, you know all those different folks that come from all over the country. You know, they're people. They they even sit together when they do get to come to church. Have you noticed that? Some of them have their own section. It's amazing. And sometimes some of the people from different states will be sitting just kind of off by themselves. And I say your section is over here, and they just crack up over that. You know, well, you know who you are. You know who I'm talking to, right? So I'm just going to pray that your prayer life will just improve wherever it is. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the, the opportunity to pray. Now, Lord, I just pray that you would take us, that you would take our prayer lives that you would make them what you want them to be. Lord, we just have to be faithful and obedient to you and avail ourselves, and then you will do the rest. And so we just give it to you, we thank you for it, and we just look forward for growth in our prayer life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And everybody said, amen, did you say it? Look at the person next to you and say, amen.